Um, hey, I want to share with you the story today um, of one of the saddest characters in the entire Bible. I want to make sure you're going to want to take notes today. So reach into your bulletin and tear off the notes page in the back so that you can follow along. And I want to introduce you to somebody in the Bible who perhaps you've never heard of before, but I don't know that there's any more important narrative for you and I not only to know, but to understand and to be aware of um, than the narrative of a man named Ahithophel. Say the name Ahithophel. Yeah, good try. Uh, Let's try it again. Say the name Ahithophel. All right, now turn to the person next to you and say, Ahithophel. All right, now look at him and say, Kazumtite, right? I mean, like, this is one of the strangest names in all the Bible. Uh, if I were to be totally honest with you, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it right. I'm probably not if we threw the, the Hebrew context in it. We're probably getting it wrong. But if you look at the top of your sermon notes, this man, Ahithophel, is one of the saddest narratives in the entire Bible because of who led him down and what resulted in his life. And if you look at the, the, the title of our Bible study today, the bitterness that resulted in his life when someone hurt him. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 27. That's in the Old Testament. Um, we're only gonna read one verse today. In the Chronicles, there's actually two books of Chronicles in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. The word Chronicles just basically means the history of if you and I, 3,000 years ago, were growing up and going to school in, in Israeli school somewhere, these would be the history books that we studied. This is the George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Magna Carta, Abraham Lincoln history of Israel. Just kind of start to finish how they established as a nation, what you need to know about Israel. And in First Chronicles chapter 27, we meet a man who is who basically he's just a government official. I mean that's all that the historian wants us to know about him is this guy served in a pretty important place in the government. But when we dig underneath the layers of scripture into the narrative of his life, uh, his life is one of the saddest that we see from Genesis to Revelation. And here's what we're told about him in 1 Chronicles 27. So here's the official history given to us by the historians of the nation of Israel. 1 Chronicles 27:33 says Ahithophel was the king's counselor. And that's all we find out about him. We find out that there's this man, Ahithophel, who worked for the king. If we read on, we'd know it was King David. And he was his counselor. He helped him make wise decisions. But intertwined into his life is the life of this man we've been studying all summer long. His name is David. He was the king of Israel. He was just a, a little kid who, was, who, who kept his dad's sheep, um, who became the commander in chief of the armies and the nation of Israel. He was the guy who's known from those maybe who haven't been around church a lot in their life. David killed Goliath. He was the guy who killed that big giant. That's kind of how he got indoctrinated as what would have been a Navy SEAL or a special forces in Israel. Um, And he became one of the greatest men in Israel. And we've been studying his life this summer because we're trying to find out what the life of someone who passionately loves God looks like. Our mission statement as a church is to see people far from God become passionate Christians and make a difference in the world. So every now and then it's easier to put together a puzzle with the box, the picture of the puzzle in front of you. And we could teach the Bible all day, every day, or we could learn about the life of someone and just try to emulate what we see in them. So we've been trying to do that with David, but David last week um, probably fell harder further spiritually than anyone in this room will ever fall spiritually. And if you weren't here last week, I encourage you to go on our website and listen to or watch last week's message. It's going to give you a whole lot more context to this week's message. 
But here's basically what we find out. David, as we read last week in 2 Samuel chapter 11, he had an affair with one of his best friend's wives. Um, He had an affair with one of his best friend's daughters. They were the same person. Um, And then as a result of that affair, when because he didn't want his best friend to know about it, um, he had him killed. Instead of confessing it, he just, he, he basically hired a terrorist network or allowed a terrorist network to take him out. And we got to the end of the story last week, and it, I mean, it's one of the saddest stories in scripture. And as we learn the story of David and Bathsheba, we find out that there's this guy in the middle of it named Ahithophel, who we don't know much about unless we read between the lines, which we try to do in scripture so we can understand it like God wants us to understand it. So who is this Ahithophel? In 2 Samuel 11 verse 3, we see that David, who's married, is on his, the roof of his house and he's taking a walk and he sees a beautiful woman taking a bath and he wants to have an affair with her. So he asked one of the guys working for him, who is she? And he was given this answer in 2 Samuel eleven three. it says, David sent someone to find out about her And the man said, oh, that's Bathsheba. She's the daughter of Eliam, and she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, we know from 2 Samuel 23, David, before he died, wrote a list of his 37 best friends. He wrote a list of the 37 people that served basically on SEAL Team 6 with him. These these were the special, this was the special operations team that allowed Israel to become a major power in its days. And David, before he died, said, you need to know these are the guys that I owe my life to. And we find out that one of those guys is a guy named Eliam. We find out his dad is Ahithophel. And we find out one of the guys is Uriah, which helps us understand that David had an affair with one of his best friend's wives and one of his best friend's daughters. And then if we read through the continuation of the story, we find out that one of David's counselors, one of his advisors, was this man named Ahithophel. So who is Ahithophel? Well, he was Bathsheba's grandfather. He was her grandpa. So when we look at how his life was impacted by David's sin and by David's choices, here's what we know. We know that Ahithophel lost his grandson-in-law because of David. David killed Uriah because of what was happening. So you know, family dinners would be different forever. And then we find out as a result of the sin, when a prophet finally came to David and said, man, you got to open your eyes, we find out that the, the child that was born in that sin had some type of physical defect or or. Um, health defect, or it got sick in its first year of life, and it died because of David's sin. So we know that Ahithophel lost his great-grandson because of David. And eventually, as we read, Ahithophel would lose his own life because of his bitterness towards David. Now, here's where I want to stop today and kind of focus in on this message. Because I have seen the sadness and the bitterness of people who have been disappointed by a spiritual leader. And the disappointment of this spiritual leader in their life has, I mean, has caused them to just abandon everything spiritually. And this is kind of where Ahithophel was. He, he served David because he believed in him. He served David because he loved him. He served David because he believed God's hand was on him. And then you have this man of God who disappoints him so badly And Ahithophel just could never get over. He could not walk away from the hurt. He could not heal from the hurt. And he developed a life of bitterness that would eventually end up costing him his own life. Now, Proverbs 14.10 was written by David's son. His name was Solomon. Scripture calls him one of the wisest men that ever lived. But Solomon tells us this about this subject of bitterness. In Proverbs 14.10, Solomon says, Now, each heart knows its own bitterness. 
So I want to stop today before we study the life of Ahithophel and we look at what I'm calling the life and death of bitterness. I've got to ask you today, what bitterness do you have in your heart that you need to deal with? Because Proverbs 14, 10 said, each one knows his own bitterness. So I don't know yours. You don't know mine probably, but each heart knows its own bitterness. Maybe God brought you here today, July 13, 2014. So you could begin to work through your bitterness because we find in, in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians 4.31, that Paul tells the church at Ephesus to get rid of their bitterness and their rage and their anger and their brawling and their slander in every form of malice. So Proverbs said each one has the opportunity to have a little bitterness in their heart. Paul comes along and he says, you've got to deal with that bitterness. And I'm telling you this morning, I don't know what you've walked in with, but I know if you leave allowing bitterness to continue, it's going to hurt you more than the original thing that caused the bitterness in your life. Now you say, Christian, what's the difference between being hurt and being bitter? Because I've been badly hurt. Ahithophel was badly hurt. What's the difference between being hurt and being bitter? Well, there's a few differences, actually. Your hurt slowly heals over time. Your bitterness slowly grows over time. So if you're more hurt today over something that happened three years ago than you were then, you're probably growing towards bitterness, not away from hurt. Your hurt mourns your past. It looks back and it's really sad over what happened, but your bitterness is angry over your present. And it has a desire to get even in your future. So any of us who have been hurt, sure, we look back at our past and we're really sad about what has happened. But those who are growing bitter, they're more mad today than they were then, and they're still looking for a way not to get over it, but to get even about it in the future. Your hurt leaves a scar on you that you'll have for the rest of your life, but your bitterness leaves wounds on others. Because what we find out as we read the difference between hurt and bitterness, we see that as your hurt heals, what I've called your healing hurt, your healing hurt in you creates a soft place in your heart that helps you minister to others in your position. But your growing bitterness in you creates a hardness that lashes out at people. Say, say, Christian, how do I know if I'm hurt or if I'm bitter? You can take those gauges and you can just kind of judge yourself. But man, if you're madder today over an event than the day it happened, there's a potential that you're growing bitter in your heart. If the way, listen to me, some of you had an event happen to you a decade ago, 20 years ago, And your husband is feeling the effects of it. Your wife is feeling the effects of it. Your children are feeling the effects of it. If if you're lashing out over something that's happened in your past over people who are involved in your present, you might need to deal with some bitterness, not just some hurt. If you've not been able to take your hurt and to allow it to heal and always have a scar, always have a soft place that's a little tender, but then to use that place so when someone else is in the same position, you can bring them aside and not ignite each other in anger, but say, listen, I've been through this and you're gonna be okay if you can't minister to them. You might be dealing with bitterness, not hurt. And what you need to understand this morning is bitterness hurts you and bitterness hurts people around you. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, Here's what the author of Hebrews says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled. The author of Hebrews says bitterness is going to cause you trouble and it's going to hurt people around you. So how do we deal with bitterness? Well, as we look in scripture, there's, there's literally two ways that you can deal with 
hurt in your life. You can grow bitter over it, or you can learn to forgive it. Now, the destruction of bitterness versus the healing and the gift of forgiveness, I mean, they are miles apart. But if you can begin to work yourself today from bitterness towards forgiveness, I think God could be ready for a spiritual breakthrough in your life. Because as we look at the life of Ahithophel, here's what we begin to learn. Bitterness is an emotional reaction that comes when we're hurt. But forgiveness is a spiritual action. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15 with me. Because we're just going to kind of track this story of Ahithophel after David has so disappointed him. After David has so radically and negatively impacted him. We see Ahithophel for three or four chapters in scripture, probably over the course of a month, maybe 90 days, step into the pages of scripture. And what we see him doing and the decisions we see him making through the lens of bitterness are are really, really bad. Now, let me give you just a 60-second bio on 2 Samuel 15 before we jump into the text today. When, When David fell into this hardness of heart and sin and he hurt so many people around him, a prophet came to him and he said, David, like this is you, you've got to recognize this. And he said, David, the child that you've had is not going to live. And he said, David, eventually somebody from your own family is going to try to kill you. Like you have lost so much respect in Israel and in your household that one day one of your kids is going to try to usurp your throne um, and take your life from you. This is beginning to happen in 2 Samuel 15. And as we get to the pages of 2 Samuel 15, David has a son named Absalom who has formed an army, who, has, who is marching on Jerusalem with the intention of killing his father and taking over the throne of Israel. Now, in 2 Samuel 15, 12, we learn that one of the people he has helping him is a guy named Ahithophel. Look at verse 12 with me. It says, while Absalom was offering sacrifices, he sent for Ahithophel, the Gilonite, David's counselor, to come from Gilo, his hometown. And the conspiracy gained strength And Absalom kept on increasing. Now, here's what you need to know. Ahithophel was the highest ranking official in David's government to turn against him. As a matter of fact, he was the only major official in David's government that turned against him. You say, why is that? Because of what I believe was the spirit of Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, we see one of the apostles speak to someone who's living in bitterness. And he said, I see that you're full of bitterness in your captive to sin. There's this thought that when you live in bitterness, it's a lot easier for somebody to pull you into their sin with them. And that's where Ahithophel was. Ahithophel took the very first chance he could to get back at David. And while we don't know his heart, we see his actions and his actions and his advice are let's kill him now as quickly as we can. So his actions were not, were not spiritual actions his actions were not forgiving actions. And you say, well, how could, he have ever, how could his heart have ever healed to where he wanted to forgive David? It's a great question. But what we learn biblically is forgiveness is an action. Forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is not an emotion. And forgiveness is not a feeling. So if we wait till we don't care anymore about how we've been hurt and then forgive someone, we're probably never going to forgive someone. If we wait till we wake up and just have a positive thought about somebody who's hurt us and emotionally we're feeling pretty good, then we're probably never going to forgive anybody. But we learned for Ahithophel, it had been, if you just track the chronology, it had been at least 10 years, some scholars think 20, since David had so deeply hurt him. And for more than a decade, he had held on to this hurt, waiting for his first chance to get even. Now, let me ask you this question. 
What grudge have you been holding for a decade because somebody has hurt you so badly? What thing has been growing inside you for 20 years that at the very first chance, if you can, you'll get even over because someone has hurt you so badly? Like, this is where we find Ahithophel today. We find him in a place captive to sin because he'd been hurt so bad. Now, here's the reality. A lot of you say, well, I, you know, if somebody asked me for my forgiveness, I would give it to them. But a lot of times people don't want forgiveness. A lot of times people don't ask for forgiveness. A lot of people, a lot of times people have hurt you. They could really care less how you feel. But what we learn biblically is we choose to forgive because we've been forgiven, not because somebody deserves it. And that's what scripture says. We choose to forgive. We, we choose to forgive someone not because they asked for it, not because they deserve it, not because they've changed, but because we've forgiven, we decided to, to for, because we've been forgiven, we decide to forgive somebody else. But this is really hard. And this is not our natural response to being hurt is to say, oh, it's okay, I, I forgive you. The reality is when we look at number two, bitterness is the natural and predictable reaction to being hurt, not forgiveness. But forgiveness should be the spiritual reaction And when we forgive people, it brings God glory. Now look at how natural and predictable bitterness is. As we continue in 2 Samuel 15, in verses 31 through 34, we see that David, it was very clear to him that Ahithophel was bitter. And David said, I know how bitter people are going to act. He's going to try to kill me. So David was able to predict Ahithophel's actions because he knew that he was bitter in his heart. And here's what it says in 2 Samuel 15, 31. It said, now David had been told Ahithophel is among the conspirators with Absalom. So David prayed, Lord, turn his counsel into foolishness. When David arrived at the summit where the people used to worship God, Hushai the archite was there to meet him and his robe was torn and dust was on his head. It was kind of a public sign of mourning. Verse 33, David said to him, if you go with me, you'll be a burden to me. But if you return to the city... And say to Absalom, your majesty, I'll be your servant. I was your father's servant in the past, but now I'll be your servant. Then you can help me by frustrating Ahithophel's advice. Bitterness is so natural and bitterness is so predictable that David used Ahithophel's bitterness against him. And he said, the only thing I know about this guy is he's bitter. And I can use that bitterness to help me a little bit. But we look at Ahithophel and you say, well, man, wouldn't you be bitter, Christian? Like if somebody killed your grandson... Wouldn't you be bitter? Yeah. If somebody killed your great-grandson, wouldn't you be bitter? Yeah. If somebody destroyed somebody in your, your life's family, I mean, just tore it to shreds, wouldn't you be bitter? Yeah. That's the natural reaction, and it's the predictable reaction. But as I try to follow Jesus, I try to learn how to take that hurt, and I try to learn to forgive instead of being bitter. Now, a lot of us don't forgive for this reason. We say, well, I... Um, I would forgive somebody, but I just, how do I know they won't do it again? And the reason we don't forgive is because we don't trust. But here's what you need to realize. There's a difference between forgiving somebody and trusting somebody. And if we, if we can't learn that fact, then it'll be really difficult to forgive because forgiveness is given, but trust is earned. There's a lot of you out there who have been hurt. There's a lot of you who have hurt people. And you've been forgiven, but you've not been trusted, and you're kind of angry because you think, well, if you forgive me, you should trust me again. No, you've broken trust, and you've been forgiven. Forgiveness is given, but trust has to be earned over time. Forgiveness can be fast, but trust can take time, sometimes a lifetime. 
when you've really let somebody down. I believe it's even possible to forgive somebody that you'll never trust in the same way again. That doesn't mean you don't forgive them. It just means that it's safest for you probably not to trust them in the same manner. I've read stories about people who have lost children to drunk drivers. I've read stories about people who have lost children to, I mean, just all sorts of tragedy who have gone into a jailhouse and they've sat down with somebody who has abused or neglected or hurt their child. And they've said, I just want you to know I forgive you. But they would never put their child in a situation with them again. So they forgive, but there's zero trust. I know a lot of spouses who are living in divorce who have worked their way spiritually to being able to forgive an ex-husband or ex-wife for what they've done, but they'll never want to be married to them again. Like, forgiveness doesn't just mean you jump back into a relationship and trust all over again. Forgiveness, when we look at it spiritually, the goal of forgiveness is not just the restoration of a relationship, but it's the restoration of your broken spirit. You don't forgive someone so they can get away with it again. You don't forgive somebody so they can start with a blank slate with you again. Sometimes you don't ever want to start on a slate with them anywhere. But what we find out biblically is that forgiveness frees you. Forgiveness allows you to move forward. Forgiveness allows you to be free from what hurts so bad. It allows you to begin to heal. It allows you to begin to help others heal. So you say, Christian, man, I just don't know that I can do this. How how can I pray that God will help me forgive someone? When When someone has hurt me and I'm really trying to work through it, I usually pray three things that my counselor's has given to me. I want you to write these three down. They're not going to be on your sermon notes, but this 60 seconds might be the most important part of this message for those of you who are trying to learn how to forgive someone. I pray three things. Number one, I always pray, God, help me forgive them because I don't feel like it and I don't want to. And as much as I say the words, I forgive them. I I don't like them. So God, you have to help me forgive them. So I always pray when I've been hurt, God, help me forgive somebody. Because I know it's not my natural reaction. My, my natural predictable reaction is to get bitter, not to forgive. So I need God to help me be spiritual. Second, I pray that my life will bring glory to God. So I pray, God, help me forgive this person. And I pray, God, by forgiving them, help my life to bring glory to you. Help people to see how you've loved me by how I'm willing to love others. But then thirdly, and I think this is the biggest one for me that I've been counseled to. So one, I pray God help me to forgive. Two, I pray God help my life to bring you glory. Three, I pray this, God help their heart. So the person who hurt me, the person who hurt you, help their heart to turn to you in a way that brings you glory. Help their heart to turn to you in a way that brings you glory. Because here's what I've learned from my counselor. Say, Christian, if you pray that people will develop a heart for you again. They might develop a heart for you, but might never love God. But if you pray that people get close to God, they will see what they've done to you. So pray that God will bring them so close to him that they'll be able to reflect on what they've done. So pray that God brings these people close to him. I've learned as I've prayed these three things, I've been able to, I've been able to give away hurt and not dwell on it as long. We also learn number three as we look at the advice and the actions of Ahithophel. Bitterness, it draws a line in the sand and says, this is it, no more. But forgiveness always leaves a door open for the miraculous. Like bitterness, bitterness wants to draw a line in the sand that you can never go back on. Bitterness wants to end things. Spiritual forgiveness 
prays that things maybe can continue. Look at 2 Samuel 16, verses 15 through 21. Because we see Ahithophel's advice to Absalom was, listen, you need to do something that you can't go back on. And in reality, he wasn't giving Absalom advice to help Absalom. He was giving Absalom advice to hurt David because bitter people hurt people. He wasn't trying to help Absalom. He's trying to hurt David because bitter people hurt people. And here's what we learn in 2 Samuel 16, verses 15 through 21. It says, Meanwhile, Absalom and all the men of Israel came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. Then Hushai the archite, David's confidant, went to Absalom. Remember, David had asked him, go act, go act like you like him, be my spy. He went to Absalom and he said, long live the king, long live the king. Absalom said to Hushai, this is the love you show your friend? If he's your friend, why didn't you go with him? Speaking of David. Hushai said to Absalom, no, the one chosen by the Lord, by these people and by all the men of Israel, his I will be. And I will remain with him. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve the son just as I served your father? So I'll serve you. Hithophel kind of blew him off. And they said, Absalom said to Ahithophel, give us your advice. What should we do? And Ahithophel answered, sleep with your father's concubines whom he left to take care of the palace. Then all Israel will hear that you have made yourself obnoxious to your father and the hands of everyone with you will be more resolute. Basically, Ahithophel said, draw a line in the sand. Take your stand right here. It's now or never. And you know what bitterness wants to do? Bitterness wants to send the email that says, don't ever talk to me again. Bitterness wants to have the conversation that says, this is over for now, forever, don't ever speak to me again. Bitterness wants to send the email that we wish we could resend or post on Facebook what we wish we could resend. Bitterness always wants to fight. While forgiveness basically says this, the reality is there is a line drawn in the sand and I'm never gonna cross it. But man, I pray that one day God will allow you to cross back over to where I am. It always leaves, forgiveness always leaves room for God to do a miracle. And that's, it would have to be that. It would have to be a miracle. But forgiveness always says, maybe there's another chance. Ahithophel's bitter heart led him to harmful actions that couldn't be undone. And that's what bitterness does. Bitterness hurts in a way that cannot be undone and hurt people who become bitter eventually hurt people. And then number four, here's the real sad reality. Bitterness ultimately destroys your life, not the life that caused it. So we spend so much time focusing on how to get even instead of trying to focus on how to get over. And the reality is bitterness hurts us much more than it does the person that hurt us. And we look at Ahithophel, he gave all this advice to Absalom because his goal was to destroy David. And when David wasn't destroyed, and when David's army defeated his son's army, here's what Ahithophel had left to do. In 2 Samuel 17, 23, it says, when Ahithophel saw that his advice hadn't been followed, he saddled his donkey, he set out for his house in his hometown, he put his house in order, and then he hanged himself. So he died, and he was buried in his father's tomb. Listen, bitterness eventually hurts you way more than it hurts the person that hurts you. And the only way to deal with hurt, there's only two options of dealing with hurt according to scripture. You can forgive and you can begin to heal or you can get bitter and you can begin to harden. And Elijah, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is in 1 Kings 18. The prophet Elijah was standing up before a group of people that couldn't make up their mind about something. 
And Elijah said in 1 Kings 18, 21, it says, Elijah went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. But it says the people said nothing. Listen, there are many of you in here today. I know you've been deeply hurt. I know you've been statistically, they say now one out of three Americans under the age of 25 has been abused. I know there's many of you that have been abused. I know there are some of you in here, your ex-husbands and ex-wife have treated you worse than they would treat your family pet. I know there's some of you in here, your, your bosses and your employers and the people you work with and some of you, the church you went, like you've been treated, so, you've been hurt so badly. And I get that. And I'm not saying your hurt's not important. And I'm not saying get over it. But what I'm saying today is you have two options. You can get bitter and you can harden your heart. Or you can try to forgive and learn to heal. And that, like, those are your two options. And my goal today is like, that you won't be like these people in 1 Kings 18 that say, okay, I understand my options. I'm not ready to decide. My goal today is that you'll understand your options and you'll say, Christian, I don't want to get bitter. I don't want a root of bitterness. Um, you know, I just, I'd love to forgive, but what if? I'm asking you to trust God, not the person who hurt you, and to step into forgiveness. Now, the reality is I'm not asking today that you'll have total restoration with someone who hurt you. I'm not asking today that you'll have total reconciliation with someone. For some of you, that's not even possible. But I'm asking that you take the hurt and you say, okay, God, I'm not going to let this hurt grow into bitterness and control my life so that your heart can begin to heal. You know, one of my pastoral coaches is a guy by the name of Jimmy Dodd who preaches here about once a quarter. He's preaching in two weeks. And I've been working through some hurt with Jimmy the past several months, just things, processing through things in my life. And he said to me just a few weeks ago, he said, Christian, you know, um, processing hurt always helps me understand Jesus better. And I said, what do, you, what do you mean by that? And he said, processing hurt always helps me understand Jesus a little better. And I said, how, how do you mean? And he said this phrase that I wrote down in my journal. He said, Christian, no one has ever hurt or betrayed you more than you've hurt and betrayed Jesus. And he said, when you, every time you're hurt, instead of turning to bitterness, as you learn to forgive, every time you're hurt, I want you to think about how gracious Jesus has been to forgive you. Every time you've let him down, every time you've betrayed, I want you to think, every time you're hurt, I want you to focus, instead of on the person who hurt you, on Jesus and how much he's forgiven you. And I want you to try to learn to forgive. In just a minute, our ushers are gonna serve communion and our band is gonna come. But in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, 28, the apostle Paul was teaching the church at Corinth how they were to learn how to reflect, reflect spiritually. And the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28. He said, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup of communion. So as we end our teaching time this morning and get ready to head into our communion time, I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes.